yes, Easter is, a, is, a, is an exciting time for our church when we take all four services and put us all together, really see how big we are and who all goes here and all of that other stuff. But it's just not for our church. It's for the community as well. It's for us to have an opportunity to invite some people who do not attend church anywhere, who do not have a church home, who may not know Christ. And so it's our opportunity to invite them. So it's, it's more than just our church, but we see it more as the community and involving the community. Sometimes I don't think we realize what goes through someone's mind about Easter that's planning to visit a church or take part in that. We have a short little video for you guys to see and watch this. Sometimes my fear is, is we've been Christians for so long or we've gone to church for so long that we forget what it's like for an individual to walk in church for the very first time. Or maybe after a season of life, for whatever reason, they walked away from church. He made an ask, and the ask was this. Help me to see God. I'm not so sure I know what that means is what he said. I just need a community of believers. I need a group of people to just help me to understand who God is and to see who God is. See, the beatitude that we're looking at this morning about this issue of joy is found and not in the externals, but it's in the internals. It's in a relationship with Christ. The beatitude says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. It said, blessed are the, blessed are the pure in heart. And then, then what a wonderful promise. Blessed are the pure in heart. They'll see God. See, so many times that if we're not careful, we'll make this issue of relationship with God based upon only on the externals. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to judge people and we'll judge them by tattoos or piercings or, or maybe clothes or the things that they wear and they, we begin to judge them on the externals. When God's word makes it very clear that this Christianity and this Christian uh, relationship with him and this is from the inside out. I mean, the values of our church have been founded on that one principle. The fact is, just, just kind of just a little review real quick is, is our values are SWAT. It's the acrostic of SWAT, that the S is, is Scripture, that we believe that God's Word is, the Bible is inspired, and it's the very words of God, and there's no mistake, and, and there's no error in the Word, that is God-breathed through man. And so with that, we believe that everything from the Everything from the table of contents to the maps is God-inspired. It is his word. You know what? I even think the cover's inspired. That it's just the inspired, perfect word of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We believe in the Old Testament here. Jesus preached from it. Jesus, If Jesus believed in the Old Testament, guess what? We're going to believe in the Old Testament too. That we believe that the Bible is the word of God that we can stake our life on. The, the W is worship. That we believe in worship. We believe that we worship him and we adore him him not only what we do in here on the weekends but also we worship him with our lives and then the a is acceptance that we believe that we should be a church of just acceptance that doesn't judge people based upon the externals based upon what they wear or, or, or how they dress or we don't judge upon their past or any of that where anybody is free to come in this body and be 
accepted and to be loved. Galatians 3.28 is, is the verse that we just hang on to with that. And here's what the scripture says. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. You see, all of a sudden, God's word breaks down all these different barriers. He breaks down the... the uh, the, the racial barrier here, Jew nor Greek, so it does not matter the color of your skin. It does not matter your race. That everybody is accepted. We're all one in him. And then he goes a little bit deeper and he says, and in Christ, where we're all one, there is neither slave nor free. You know what that means? That means there is this social status. He breaks down the social barriers. And he says, it does not matter how influ- influential you are. It does not matter if you were born on the right side of the railroad tracks or the wrong side of the railroad tracks. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy or if you're poor, that we're all one in Christ. And then he said, in Christ, there is neither male nor female. He breaks down the gender barriers. I mean, the one place that all those barriers are broken down should be and is in the local church. Now listen, let's be clear. There are distinctions. There are distinctions. We don't all come from the same place. We don't all have the same backgrounds. But what he does in a relationship in Christ, there are no barriers. That nobody is better than the other. Aren't you glad? It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter if you're male or you're female. That there are no barriers. That we just have this place of acceptance. And listen, it is not only on Easter that this takes place. But it is every weekend. That we have people that walk in this body, in this church, for the very first time. And they're asking the same questions that he was asking. Will they just accept me? Will they just say hello? Will they greet me? And I'm telling you, this is so fresh on our mind, minds as pastors. Is this last week, we just, Pastor Dwayne received an email of, a, of someone that visited our church for the very first time. And, and I'm telling you, it, it rocked our world. It rocked us to the core. Here's a little bit of, the, of what the email said. It said, she said this, she writes. She said, I was a visitor to fellowship because I was told it was a solid church and one um, that was more open to people that did life with people in a different way. In other words, so what she's saying is we have a reputation. We, we're a church of acceptance. We don't judge on the externals. And so she said, this opinion dazzled me. And I was looking forward to being able to plug in somewhere in my new home. So I went in the first Sunday, and, and it wasn't too bad. The second Sunday I went, and there was a lady that told me that I was being disrespectful by having my lip ring, nose ring, and my gauges in my ears, as well as coming to church in skinny jeans and a tie-dye shirt. When Pastor Dwayne read that to me, I'm like, seriously? In our church? Seriously? In our church? That a church is of acceptance? That doesn't judge on the externals? Seriously? Pastor Dwayne's had several conversations with her, and the sad thing is not that she will never return to our church. The sad thing is, she may never go to church again. That's the sad thing. It is not about Fellowship of the Rockies. 
We know she won't return here, and we've asked for forgiveness, and we've talked to her, and we have been broken over that. But the sad thing, we've recommended other Bible-believing churches and other churches that are like ours in our community, and we hope that she will attend. But we do not know that. Listen, let me tell you something. The church has to be a place of acceptance. The church right now in America is hemorrhaging because it's becoming judgmental about the way if someone wears jeans or not or someone how they wear, how they dress or or tattoos or piercings and all, all of that external stuff that does not matter. You know, let me, these statistics just haunt me. Every year, 6,000 Bible-believing churches close their doors. 3,500 American Christians decide never to attend church ever again. Not to say, hey, we're going to leave our church and go down the road to another church. No, we're never going back. Only 20% of Americans even go to church now. Only 15% of the half a million evangelical Bible-believing churches in America are even growing. Only 2% of those churches are growing by conversion growth, where people are accepting Christ and not transferring from one church to the next. We're in the 2%, and we baptized 120 people last year, in ages from 7 to 82, which is so awesome. And I'm telling you, that our community needs a church that does not judge upon the, the externals but as a place of acceptance to meet people where they are. I mean, this, this beatitude says joy is found in the man or the woman who is pure in heart, for they will, they will see God. What does that mean? What does it mean to see God? Because the, the Bible tells us things like no man has ever seen God. If a man was to look in the face of God, that they would die. So the question is, what does it mean? What was this man asking? A great question. What is, do we even know as believers? What does it mean to, to see God? Here's the deal. And I'm working through this principle is with you. That if you cannot see God in everything, you will not see him in anything. That if you, will not, if you cannot see God working in every aspect, dimension, circumstance in your life, then you will not be able to see him in anything in your life. And I know this principle has a lot of ramifications. It's emotional. I mean, there's times in my life where I've gone through deep hurt and deep pain, stuff that I never want to walk through again. And I wondered, is God working? Where is God in this circumstance and in this situation? And I can look back on those circumstances and I realize, you know what? God was working more in those times in my life when I was going through hurt and circumstances and pain. See, he's saying that this issue of joy, not happiness, which is temporary, but this issue of joy is found in a man or a woman who is right with God. And they're able to see him working in every area of their life. See, what, what Jesus is saying, there's a spiritual dimension that is offered to all the believers that the believers should understand it's a it's a different dimension is all life is of earning a living and making money is it all dollars and cents 
Is all life is just working really hard so you make it to retirement? And is all life is is marriage and raising kids and staying single and dating? Is it money? Is it prestige? People that obtain all that, they're still asking. There has to be more to life than this. I mean, just ha- and so what Jesus is saying is Jesus is saying that there is spiritual fulfillment when you can come to the point to where you can see me work and working in every aspect, every situation of your life to where to your relationship with me is just fresh and vibrant. You know, I don't know if you're, you realize this or maybe, maybe you've been in these discussions and maybe you haven't, but there's a lot of controversy and there's a lot of talk now about what songs should you sing in church, right? I mean, what kind of music do you sing in church? And you know what we sing here? We, we sing the songs God likes. And, and you know how we know that? Because the Psalms tells us eight different times, Psalms 33.3, seven other times in the Psalms. The Psalm says, God says, you know what kind of song I like? Sing me a new song. Don't sing me an old song. You sing me a new song. You know why he says that? I want you to worship me what I'm, out of what I'm doing in your life, what I'm doing in your generation, what I am currently doing. I want your, your faith to be so fresh that you are worshiping me out of your circumstances and out of your situations in life. I don't want you to sing the songs of the 1500s and the 1800s. I know what I was doing, and that was a different generation. I want you to sing songs to me that are a new song of what I'm doing in your life and what I'm doing in your family and what I'm doing in your your, your Christianity. Because he says, "Blessed, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will... See, God, see this, this word heart means it talks about the will and it talks about the mind and it talks about emotions. It's, it's, it's not the physical organ. It's where you make decisions. It's where you make commitments. It's a description of who you are. It's a description of your emotion. See, Jesus is not looking first at the externals of your life. There is nothing that you have ever done that would disqualify you from becoming a Christian and entering into a relationship with him. There are so many people that just make Christianity just about going through the motions and going through the rituals, but it it doesn't impact their families. It doesn't impact their life. It doesn't impact their marriages. They do marriage and they do life like the rest of the world does. When he talks about being pure in heart, it's used in the Hebrew, which is the Old Testament and the Greek. And it was used in the Hebrew of talking about the purest of, of metals. It was, it was pure gold or pure sil- silver with, with no dross and no other metals. It was, just, it was just pure. It was talked about a farming term. That when they would, would take the grain and they would separate out the grain from the, the chaff. And it was just, it was pure wheat. It was talked about a bread that was baked with the finest of flour, the most purest of flour. It was talked about clothing to where it was, it was clean and it was white. And it, it was talking about moral purity. as someone that was pure morally. And it describes everything about us. It's, it's not describing actually seeing God. But it's describing being able to see God in every situation and every circumstance of your life. 
Here's a principle. What you know about something determines what you see. Your knowledge of something determines what you see. Last weekend, we had the, the weekend off, and, and uh, we went up to Springs to have dinner with Corey and uh, my, bro- my, my son-in-law and, and Brittany, my daughter, and, and then Amanda, my youngest daughter, came over, and we had the opportunity to meet her new boyfriend. So that's always great fun for me, and that's great fun for our family. And uh, <laughs> I, took one of my, I took one of my golf shirts, you know, long sleeve black, and it has a, a mock turtleneck, and, and I took a white label, you know, sticky label, and I, I put it over the collar to look like a clergy, yeah, to look like a clergy collar. And I just glared at him, and he glared. I mean, he didn't even know what to think. He was not even prepared for that. And you know, one time I walked up against him and put my hand like this and said, "Tommy, anything you need to confess to me?" And so, uh, yeah. So, so you know what? That whole acceptance deal, you know, didn't really work. I guess that night. But, but anyway, we love Tom. Tom is, Tom is a great guy, and we had some great fun at, at his expense. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so we left Pueblo, and my truck made a weird noise. You know, it, made a, uh, it was weird. And so we drove up to Springs and, and hung out with them. We came back, got back home about 1 in the morning, and, and we got out of the truck, and Karen's like, yeah, that's a, it sounds like, smells like something's burning in there. And so, you know what, I really don't know what to do, but I, I know I've, I've watched men, and... and <laughs> And like, like men that know what to do, they, they lift the hood. So I knew to do that because, you know, that's what that checklist, I can check to make sure the engine's there. That's what that whole light's about. And so I lifted the hood and I know from watching you're supposed to look in and grunt. And so, uh, you know, I'd look in and grunt, hmm, hmm, wow, whoa, man. And it kind of poked around in there. But you know what? I didn't know what I was doing. And so, uh, but it smelled bad. I had to pull it out of the garage before it smelled the whole house up. And so, uh, but it was just bad. And so I, called took it to the the shop on on monday amazing thing i mean when they looked at the engine they saw something totally different than me (laughs) right i mean they knew immediately what was wrong because your knowledge about something determines what you see i mean like i can see a box of rocks there's rocks to me of all different colors and shapes and sizes but a geologist looks at rocks they can tell you what kind of rock they are how old they are. They can tell you where they came from. They can, tell you, they can tell you if oil is in the ground or not. I mean, because your knowledge about something determines what you see. See, a geologist looks at rocks differently than me. A, a computer. I mean, I, I have a smartphone and I, I have a computer and I don't know a lot about it. And when it breaks, you know what I do? I go find a computer geek or a computer nerd or one of those guys because... Uh, <laughs> Because, you know, I just like hand it to him. I says, you know what? It's, it's broke again. I don't want to know what's wrong with it. Just fix it. So it just does what I need it to do, which is not much. <laughs> you know what? When they look at a computer, they see something totally different to me. Why? Because your knowledge about something determines what you see. I mean, to me, it's just rocks and boxes. But to them... I mean, you, they see something totally different. You, you take a spreadsheet and put it in front of a account, it means nothing to me. They go nuts. They see all kinds of things in a spreadsheet. Why? Because your knowledge about something determines what you see. A medical doctor, doctor looks totally differently at the, the human body than we do. Why? Electrician 
looks totally different at a house and wiring different than us. All we care about light comes on or not. Because your knowledge about something determines what you see. And your knowledge about God determines whether you see him or not in the circumstances, in the situations of life. That's why life groups are so important. Discipleship is so important. Because our knowledge about God from his word, his revealed word that reveals himself to us determines what we see. That's why people who don't open up the Bible ever during the week because they're too busy or have too many other priorities. You do what you value. Have trouble seeing God in every situation in their life and circumstances. Why? Their only knowledge of God is maybe what someone else told them. They don't have any personal knowledge. There's four things that I just want to give you this morning, and for you note takers, is really going to frustrate you because we're not going to get all the way through that outline. So uh, that's my bad. I'm sorry. If you, it, you know what? If it just wrecks your life, email Pastor Corey, Corey at fellowshiptherockies.org. <laughs> And he'll give you all the answers you need. Because I had a line of type A personalities in the early service lined up and says, Master, the world is not in, po- in perfect harmony. We did not get all the blanks filled in. So we filled in the blanks together. And so here we go. So here's just four things about, about when you see God that we need to be aware of. When, when, you're, when you're pure in heart and when you can see God in every situation, the first thing is this, is that you see his purpose. When you, you begin to see the purpose of God in your life, John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have eternal life. The pure in heart, when you understand that, when you get that, you realize that the purpose for you in your life was to intersect your life with Christ, to come into a living, breathing relationship with him, so that you became a believer and you, you, you entered into this deeper spiritual dis- dimension in your life. But listen, let me tell you something. Someone that really sees God, someone that is really pure in heart, it doesn't stop with them. They understand now that once they're found, they go out and find others. We join in the search for others who do not know him. And we understand that John 3, 16, yes, it applied to me. And yes, it, it, it applied to me in my life when I accepted him. But guess what? It applies to people that I come in contact with during the day, whether it's someone that I work with, someone that I go to school with, someone that's in my family, that I get it, that I understand, that without a relationship with God, that they will spend eternity separated from him. And let me ask you, when was the last time you saw people differently? Man, when was the last time you saw people differently, whether people that walked in this, this building on a Saturday night, Sunday morning, people that you work with, people that you live in community with, and you saw them that they need a relationship with Christ because without that, they're going to spend eternity just separated from him. When was the last time you just talked to someone about your relationship with Christ and their need? When was the last time you just invited someone to church? Do your friends that you work with and go to school with, do they even know you go to church? Do they even know that you worship this God? 
See, for the pure in heart, it's a different spiritual dimension. And they see people differently. They see situations differently. They don't judge by the externals. They see someone in a deep need for a relationship with Christ. The pure in heart, they're able to see his purpose, but and they're also able to see his provisions. And I, I really believe the average Christian doesn't really see God in their provisions. And they think that all the money that they make is because of they're brilliant and because they're talented or because of their organizational skills or because of their d- discipline or because of their hard work or because of their network, because of their education. And they really see it because of them. But the normal Christian, the Christian that was normative in the New Testament, that lived, lived life at a different spiritual dimension, they understood that he is the provider. I mean, the Scripture says that he gave you the ability to make wealth. It came from him. See, they see their resources and they see their provisions totally differently than than anyone else. They not only see their provisions and their resources for them, but they see their provisions and resources as to be stewarded well that is really not theirs. It's his. And we're to steward that, those resources well, and we're, to, and we're to, to worship him with our giving and worship him with our tithes. And we're to give back to him. So many people, will, when, when we talk about this issue of money and giving, I mean, they'll say, well, wait a minute, you don't understand. We cannot afford to give. And then you know what? I talk to a different group of people that are giving. You know what they tell me? Pastor, we couldn't afford not to give. With the blessings that are on our life, the things God's doing, any area you want God's blessing in in your life, you invite him in. And Jesus says, you know what this issue of giving, the reason people don't give? It's not a theological issue. It's not even a financial issue. You know, he said it's a heart issue. It's the root issue. It's just a heart issue. But people that are pure in heart, man, they understand that, God, you are the provider, and I worship you, and I give back to you what is already yours out of faith and out of trust so that the gospel can be spread. We, we not only see God in his, in his purpose, we see God in his, his plan to where we understand that, that God, has a, God has a plan for our life. God has a plan for your life. More than just you intersecting your life with him to where you become a believer but so that you'll be willing to join in the search for others so that you will find your purpose in life and ministry and begin sharing in, with others and, and ministering to others and to where you understand that, but to where you also understand that he has such a plan for your life that, 
even when a even when a door closes but you understand you know what he has a plan for my life it he's the one that will direct me he's the one that will guide me and so this is just a a, a redirection in life I have a man in our church and he visited with me after the 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 early service this morning and and boy, we've walked with him of losing a job and a career and all this other stuff. And he came up to me so excited and says, man, I, I got that in the midst of, of a loss of a job and a loss of a career. And, and he says, and, and I know you said that when he closes a door, someone that sees him, someone that is spiritual, someone that lives life at a different spiritual dimension will understand that if he closes a door, he'll open another one, he'll redirect that. He says, but, man, Charlie, I got to tell you, God just didn't open another door. He ripped the roof off. And he's like blessing us beyond belief because through that, I just stayed faithful. And I honored him with my, my resources and I honored him with my time. See, someone that is pure in heart and someone that truly sees God understands that, listen, we, we just steward what he has already given us. And it's deeper than resources. It's deeper than finances. That we steward our finances. We, we steward our influence for him. There's some of us that have great influence in the community, influence with our friends. Do you steward your influence in the community and with your friends for him or for other causes? See, we're good with offering and, and asking people and making asks for all kinds of, of fundraisers and all kinds of other things. Do you steward your influence? The influence that God has given you for him and live life at a different dimension? The last thing is this, is we just see his person. We, we, we see who he is. John 1, 1, verse 1 says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard and which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was the Father and which was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard and proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now watch this. And we are writing these things, so what? So that our joy... Our joy may be complete. Joy is found in the man or the woman who is pure in heart, who lives life at a different spiritual dimension than everybody else. Joy is found in the man or the woman that can see God working through every dimension, every situation, and every circumstance in their life. An interesting deal. I was watching this Discovery Channel the other night, and it was a special on spiders. You know how a spider rebuilds a web 
um, after, a, after a rain or after heavy wind. They, bre- they rebuild a web from the inside out. You know how God rebuilds a life? From the inside out. It's an inside job. I left off the T of our values. Transformation. That when we accept him, that we are transformed and we grow more and more in the image of Christ to where we look more and more like him. Some of you this morning, I'm telling you, you just need to accept him. You may have never come to the place in your life to where you just accepted him. And well, we just want to invite you this morning that, that if you do not know Christ and have a relationship with him, you just need to accept him for the very first time and ask him to come into your life. Maybe you're a believer here this morning. and Let me ask you this. Do you see God working in your life this last week? Here's a crazy deal. Because he's working in your life whether you see him or not. The question is, are you able to see God work in every situation in every circumstance of your life. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?